All right, well, we are continuing a series today called Love Dates and Heartbreaks. And so if you missed uh, last week, uh, don't, don't worry about it. You can go online and find it there. You also can uh, download our app and find it there as well. And so if you just want to go and, and recap a little bit, we can't, you can do that. But I do want to say I'll, I'll recap a little bit for you today to kind of catch you up to speed. So no worries, all right? All right, well, we're going to jump in here to uh, Love Dates and Heartbreaks. And if you're wondering what this series is about or really who it's for, I just want to say it's really for a lot of people. It's, it's for anybody, like maybe you're a student and, and you're wanting to date or you are dating. Maybe you're a graduate student and you're wanting to date. Or maybe you're a single person and you're wanting to date. And, or, or maybe you're married and you're just trying to figure out how to make it better. You know what I'm saying? How to, how to increase that. And, and so, so really, in general, uh, this entire series is about Uh, for those people that desire to have a romantic relationship or are in a romantic relationship right now. And so so it's really kind of across the board. But the the thing that we know about uh, relationships is that they can be really complicated, can't they? It just, it just is. It's, it's not always easy to, to figure out how to do life and how to do life with other people. I mean, uh, because, you know, there's other people involved, right? I mean, that's just how it is. And, and, and if you're really honest, it's because you're involved. You know, I mean, it just makes it more complicated. And so uh, my hope and prayer as we kind of walk through this entire series is that you're able to glean and gather some some tips and tricks uh, about what it looks like for us to have relationships that are both godly, but are also thriving, you know, because I believe it's God's heart that you would have a relationship and relationships in general that are thriving, that are life giving. And so that's that's what I hope happens. But but I do kind of have to get to the the ground level of this, uh, why we're doing this series. And it really comes out of this idea or this thought or this really it's more of a feeling that that I just as a pastor, I struggle when I see people do things in relationships that really undermine their relationships. You know what I'm talking about? It just breaks my heart as a pastor watching people make decisions that really undermine their relationships. It's like they say, I want this, but they're making decisions that are really undermine the possibility of getting that. Do you know what I'm talking about? And, and so we, we've probably all seen it. We've probably all maybe even experienced it. I kind of use this illustration as like, you know, that person that's dating that, that person and you're like, this isn't going to go well. You ever had that thought? You ever looked at that and said, man, I just don't know if this is going to work out. I mean, it's even worse when you're at the wedding and you're sitting out there in the audience going, yeah, this isn't going to go well. And, and I mean, that's the kind of thoughts we have. And, and, and here's the reality, though, is that that, that sometimes is our experience, too. And, and the thing I, I believe is that God has a better plan for us. God has a better way for each one, of, each one of us if we'll simply allow ourselves to be taught by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God as we begin to understand better what it looks like for us to have the relationships that God wants us to have, all right? But in order to do that, we have to understand that there are some myths out there. There are some things that we have believed that we actually practice, and sometimes we don't even know we're doing it, but that these myths are actually undermining our ability to have what God wants to give us. And so here's the first myth that we talked about last week, and it's this myth that uh, it's called the right person myth. In other words, if I would just, uh, uh, once you meet the right person, 
everything is going to be all right. And all the married people in the room said, nuh-uh. Because we know that just because you meet the right person, that doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to be all right. Now, logically, it would seem to make sense if you got right, and then you get to right, and you get more right. But it doesn't seem to work that way because there are people involved. And that we're not perfect. And there are personalities and difficulties and challenges and, and even hurts and habits and hang-ups and things that come from our past and certain levels of immaturity. Come on. We all have a little bit of that in us. I'm sure all of you are very mature. You've never had these problems. But there's this myth that we've bought into. And here's the thing i got to tell you. If the person has a bad habit now, they're going to have a bad habit later. If they're immature now, they're going to be immature later. We have this idea that it's just going to somehow vanish. Or, or some people, and, 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 and this one really baffles me, is that if I just work hard enough on them, they're going to improve. You know, now that might work with clothing, but that does not work with personality. It just doesn't. You might be able to dress him up and make him look nice, but that's all it is. That's all it is. And so sometimes we have this idea that just really leads us to the wrong place. And it's just not going to go where we want. And so here are the two questions that we kind of wrestled with is, is that uh, are you becoming a person that the person you're looking for is looking for? This idea that I need to become the person that the person is looking for rather than simply trying to find the right person out there. Because ultimately, that person isn't probably looking for you if you're not becoming the right person. And so there's that question. And then the other one for maybe you married people in the room is are you becoming the, the person or are you still the person, right? Are you still the person that the person is looking for? Or have you let that slip? Have you become kind of lazy in your relationships? And, and, and what you thought would be there and what you hoped would be there has made you think, you know what, it's just not worth it. It's not worth trying. And yet I stood on the altar before God and I said, hey, with everything I've got, right? Death do us part, sickness, health, even if they don't shower. <laughs> I still am committed to loving this person. And so we talked about that myth of finding the right person and how, how that myth, it really doesn't pan out. The second one that I think we, that we talked about last week is, is this one. It's called the promise myth. And the promise myth is this idea that if I just simply have a promise and a party, that everything's going to be fine. But we know that's not true because we've seen lots of people make promises. We've seen lots of people make vows. We've seen lots of people throw glorious parties and yet it not work out. Because here's the thing that we have to see, is that a promise should never be a substitute for preparation. And part of this series is about helping us as individuals, wherever you are on the dating relationship spectrum, to begin to prepare yourself for the better things that God wants. Because if you don't take time to prepare, you're never going to win. And we know that's true, like when you think about sports, right? I mean, imagine if you didn't prepare for the game. You just show up like, hey, guys, I'm here. How'd that go? It didn't go very well because we know that there's an aspect of preparation that, it, that, that is a part of us winning in our relationships. And so we, we, we really pressed into that kind of idea around these two myths, and, and we came to this conclusion, and that is that Jesus has presented us with a simple way 
It's not complicated. There's not like 26 things that you have to do. It's very straightforward. And Jesus says it this way, is that my command to you and to me, my command is that you would love each other as I have loved you. Just very simple. And if we know anything about the gospel, if we know anything about the Bible or anything about Christianity in general, we know that Jesus gave everything for humanity. And so when he describes a love like that, well, then aren't we all challenged? Aren't we all challenged to think about the love that we have for people, the love relationships, the dating relationships, or the marriage relationships? We should be filtering all of those through this one simple rule that Jesus gave us. And so we're going to kind of jump in to this idea a little bit more. We're going to, we're going to dig in a little bit more to this idea because, because I think that there's more for us today. Last week I talked to you, you know so much about that simple rule, but I want to kind of expand it just a little bit so that we can gain even more ground in this area. Let me take a drink. Sorry. My throat's all jacked up. Is that okay? Do I sound weird? I feel like I sound weird. Yeah. All right. Hey, I sound like a smoker, someone said. (laughs) You know, I believe this 100% is that if you follow Jesus, your life's going to be better. Now, I didn't say it'd be easier, but it's going to be better. And so when we adapt our life and when we uh, put our life in submission to the principles that Jesus presents to us, or what the Bible says to us, we're going to be better. And I've seen it in my life, and I, I believe I've seen it in other people's life. And so if you're here today and you're like not quite sure about Jesus, just know it works. Like it really does. And so I want to dig a little bit deeper into this because I want each of us to have a better Life, I want us all to have better relationships as well. And so here's really the big idea for today, and that is that the fine print will make you fine. Just very simple. The fine print will make you fine. Because we always think about this fine print kind of as a bad thing, like a gotcha thing, right? It's like, oh, did you read the fine print? Ha-ha, now I don't have to pay you, right? But back, actually, I want to look at it a little different, is that somehow that as we begin to examine the fine print, in our lives and in other people's lives, it's going to lead to us being fine. It's going to lead to us experiencing the life that God wants us to happen or or wants for us. And, and, and the thing I know about dating is that dating can be very complicated. I don't know about you, but, but depending on where you are in that journey, sometimes dating just doesn't make sense. It's like people act this way and you don't know if you're supposed to do this or do that. Or, or if, you have, if you've been out of the dating scene for a really long time, it's really hard to figure out. You're kind of jumping in to a different world and you're like, I just don't get this. But the thing about dating, and it can be this if we use it correctly, dating can be practice. It can be practice for us as we learn how to love people the way that Jesus would want us to love people. And if you would commit yourself in this way, so remember we talked about that you've got to do the things now if you want to experience the things later. It's like if, 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 if I don't practice, if I don't execute something, if I don't allow those dating relationships to be time for me to practice... Then, then I'm never going to improve. And so, so my hope for you is that while you're spending more time becoming a, a, a better person and the other people out there are spending more time getting better in bed, that you are going to be better off. You see what I'm saying? And I know that's kind of a little shocking for me to even say that. 
But it seems to be that that's the goal nowadays with dating, is that if you spend time with each other, that if you have relations, so to speak, that, that somehow that's where it all is supposed to end. But is that really what it is? If you think about how shallow that is, if you think about where does that get you in life, it doesn't get you anywhere. And so dating should be practiced for us becoming better people. Because here's the thing I know uh, about romance, is that romance is fueled by exclusivity, not experience. Get that. It's fueled by exclusivity and not experience. Because see, I think sometimes we think, well, if I just get more experience, actually, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. If you have more partners or just more relationships, that actually doesn't lead you to where you want to go. And so it's so important that we understand how God set this up because this is the thing that the Lord wants us to see is that there's a better way. There's a better way. And now last week I talked about Jesus and his simple idea that we need to love each other the way that he has loved us. But what I love about the gospel and what I love about the Bible is that the, the, the apostle Paul takes these teachings of Jesus Right, He takes these teachings of Jesus and he expands on them. He, he, he begins to detail out the fine print, if that makes sense. He takes a very, very important idea of you should love people the way I have loved you. And he expands it so that we understand better how to live it out. You see what I'm getting at? Because that big idea is a little hard to get, isn't it? Like when you say love people the way Jesus loved people, you're like, well, yeah, that seems really hard. You know, that seems really like a big idea, and I don't know if I can practice that in my life. And here's the good news, though, is that Paul takes that idea, and he begins to break it down, and he shows us the fine print of what it really looks like for us to love people the way that Jesus loved people. And this is how he details it. Look at this. Perhaps you've heard this passage of Scripture, but I'm just going to read it to you. It's in 1 Corinthians 13, and I want to start in verse 4. Listen to this. Read this. We'll read this together. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. <laughs> that one always makes me laugh. Because some of y'all are so irritable. Especially in the mornings. Come on. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. Some of us have lists of being wronged. Verse 6, it, says, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. And so Paul takes this simple idea from Jesus and he expands it. He says, this is what it looks like to love the way that I loved. And he begins to break that down for each one of us. And he creates these imperatives. He doesn't just say, hey, here's a suggestion. No, he says, this is what it is. And so here are the imperatives that he wants us to live by as people who claim the name of Christ, if you do. And, and, and so the first one you notice here is that love is patient. Love is patient. Are you pushy? Because pushy is different than patient, isn't it? Pushy is something that, that is contrary 
to what patience is. Like if, if someone's pushing you all the time in a relationship, that's not love. That's not loving. Pushy, 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 pushy. Some of you are like, oh, he's reading my mail. Some of you are hitting somebody in the shoulder. You're like, oh, it's you, it's you. But we don't think about it like that. Like we read love is patient and we just think, yeah, it's patient. But we don't look at the converse and we look at our own life and say, am I pushy? Am I pushing people? Because see, like, look, people who love, where their love is patient, they actually give time to people. They give time for people to think. They give time for people to make decisions on their own. They give time. They create space for that to happen. And if you're constantly pushing people or you're in a relationship where that's happening, you need to know that that's not loving. That's not how God set it up. And some of you, I know, are just not quite convinced of that yet. You're just kind of like, well, that's just who I am. I get it. But who you are doesn't mean that you're lining up with what Scripture says love is. And I know that's hard to receive, but, but if Jesus is our model, we've got to look to him because sometimes we just need to pause in relationships. Sometimes we need to give people space so that they can think and, 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 and process and, and, and not feel like we're forcing someone into something because anything that's forced is not loving. If there's no choice in that, if you're being forced into something, that's not, that's not how God wanted it. See, love defers. Did you know that? Love defers. It says, you know what? Not my will be done, but your will be done. It's, 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 it's a relationship where, where I give deference to other people, you know? And that's hard for me because I like things the way I like them. Are you like me? I want it done my way. Am I the only one? I mean, last time I checked, this was a room full of Americans. I mean, seriously, the idea of letting someone else, like, I mean, it's so funny. Like, my wife and I get along really well. And, and one of the times, I think one of the reasons we get along well is she a lot of times lets me pick where we go to eat. <laughs> it's just simple. Where are we going to go eat? Well, I'll decide. Because I like, you know, she's good with that. But I, I can't imagine what kind of arguments we'd have if she wasn't good with that. You know what I mean? Because, see, we're here to defer to other people, not get what we want. And there's something about love is patient that challenges this idea in us. Because, see, if you look at Jesus, if you look at God, the thing you figure out real quick about God is that he accommodated to us. Get, get that for a second. He didn't have to. You get that, right? Like, he didn't have to accommodate. He didn't have to do that. But he did because he wanted to see us saved. And so he sent Jesus down into this environment for us. And he accommodates to us because, you know, he's smarter than we are. You know that, right? Like he's smarter. He knows more. You know, it, it, he comes down on our level and serves. I mean, that should blow our mind. And when we're looking for an example, we have no further to look than Jesus that he simply did this amazing things for us, this amazing thing for us that we should see as an example. And some of us really need to get this right because, see, we're not really loving people well by the patience that we're showing. Some of our patient muscle is really weak. You know what I'm talking about? Like, if you struggle with patience, this is not something that you dismiss. 
It's something that you engage and you say, God, will you help me? Help me be more patient. Help me to be more loving as I am patient with people. And, 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 and you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about when it comes to patience. You, you've been there. You've maybe been impatient before. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so love is patient. The second one that he says is that love is kind. I think sometimes when we hear the word love is kind, we think of it as soft or weak. And that's not what the Bible is saying, especially men. It's like, what does he mean? What are you talking about? Kindness. I don't want to be, I don't want to be that. <laughs> like, I don't want to be weak or, or, you know, soft. But see, that's not it at all. Kindness, and, and I think there's a really good defi- definition here, is, is that kindness is loaning someone else your strength rather than reminding them of their weakness. That's what kindness is. Is I'm loaning my strength to someone rather than constantly pointing out how weak they are. And if you're in a relationship where someone on a regular basis is pointing out your weakness, is pointing out your problems, that's not loving. And that's the thing that Paul wants us to see. And I know that maybe challenges some of us in the room, but, but when we see kindness as weakness, we lose the very essence of who God is because God is kind. The Bible says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. That it's through his kindness that we come into a relationship with God and experience the fullness of who, of what God has for us through Jesus Christ. And so we have to remember again, I mean, think about Romans 5, 8. I don't know if you know this passage, but it's so beautiful. It says, while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. So in other words, in my state, he didn't come down and say, let me point out your weakness, boy. Let me show you all the ways you don't measure up. He didn't point out the weaknesses. He simply provided a bridge for me that while I was in that state of weakness, he presented to me. He he came down into my world, reached down into space and time and lifted me up out of the muck and the mire. And he said, yes, I will pull you up. That's what kindness looks like. That's what, the, that's what Jesus looks like. And so when we're in relationships with people, we can't just dismiss that and say, well, that's, that's Jesus. Because Jesus said, love the way I loved. And Paul reiterates it by saying, be patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. Are you getting something from this? Because it's something that we all have to see. And this is not to make us feel bad. It's to show us where we need to go. It's to show us the destination. Now, there are these toxic, there are these trio, this toxic trio that comes next in, in this passage of scripture that I want to point out to you. Love, listen to this. Love does not envy, it does not boast, and it is not proud. That toxic trio can really mess up our lives, can it? That we start to envy other people. We start to, to boast about our own accomplishments. We start to be proud about things so much that maybe we, we uh, don't treat others very well. We point out their weaknesses on a regular basis. And see, here's the thing. If you are in a relationship where the other person really struggles to let you shine, there's a problem. Like there's a problem in your relationship because 
as a human, as somebody who wants to be a follower of Christ and have good relationships, my heart should be to let you be celebrated. If you can't celebrate other people, there's a problem. Matter of fact, I would say that there's a jealousy or an envy in your heart. Because see, if you want to know whether you have jealousy or envy in your heart towards someone else, celebrate them. See how it feels. And if you can't do it, there you go. And so we have to understand that this trio of envy, boasting, and, and pride, man, can really wreck what God wants for us. And here's the thing. If you don't feel good about yourself, it's hard to let others feel good about themselves. Do you get that? And so if you don't feel good about yourself, it's really hard to let other people feel good about themselves. And that's why sometimes we grab for the spotlight. We grab for it to be focused on us or the attention on us as we lose sight of this. Because if our heart isn't right, if we're not right, if God, if I'm not becoming the person that I'm supposed to become, then this is the kind of behavior that ultimately manifests itself. And we see this beautiful picture in Philippians chapter 2 that, that I just want to give you. It's, 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 it's a picture of Jesus. That, that I think it's one of the most beautiful pictures in Scripture of Jesus and how he behaved or how he acted. But listen to this. This is starting in verse 6 of Philippians chapter 2. It says, though he was God, and he's talking about Jesus. He says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Watch this. Verse 7. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. That, every time I read that passage, it just messes with me. Because if you understand what's being said, it's like Jesus walks into a diner. Okay, he walks into a diner and he says, hey, y'all, just want you to know I'm Jesus. Matter of fact, that corner booth, it's mine. Get up. That's Jesus' corner booth. Now get out. I'm Jesus. Move. Because he could, right? I mean, he's Jesus. He's like, he'd take any booth he wants. But he doesn't. He doesn't cling to it. He doesn't cling to his status or position. He doesn't say, I'm Jesus, people. Worship me. He, he loves us. He gives his life for us. He lays down his life. And you know what you want to do as a result of it? You want some of that. Because see, you're not being forced to it. And so he, he, he basically doesn't cling to his divinity. And the Bible says that he lays down his life, that he humbles himself. Some version says, uh, in, in NIV, it says that he became nothing. Get that. Nothing. The God of the universe, Jesus Christ, became nothing for you. That should humble all of us to think how am I loving people right now? How is that being expressed in my relationships? He never pulled the God card, you know? He never did. He just loved people. You know, and if you struggle here, God wants to help you. If you have a hard time with your wife getting accolades and you can't lift her up, or if you have a hard time with your husband doing that, then, then you've got a, some work to do. I'm not saying you're bad. I'm saying you've got some work to do. That your love isn't pure. It isn't what it's supposed to be. And that's why we have to press in and get better. 
And that's what I hope is, is that you walk away from the series not feeling bad about yourself, but you feel like there are some work you got to do. There's some things that you've got to improve on. And then, and then he goes on and says this, love does not dishonor others. Did you see it? Love does not dishonor others. Love does not behave disgracefully, dishonorably, or indecently. That's the thing that we have to see, that, that love should never lead to regrets. The kind of love that God wants us to have in our lives never should lead to a life of regret. God's plan for us is so much better. And I think this is one of the things that we struggle with in our culture a ton right now. We do not know how to honor people. We are struggling to honor people. Even, even like, because what happens, you know what we say? Well, if that person was honorable, then I would honor them. Well, if you were perfect before Jesus saved you, you see what I'm getting at? Like we, we, we focus in on the thing that isn't rather than see that we, we're not called to focus in on the weakness. That's not what love does. Love lets people borrow our strength. Like it's so, so it's one of those things that we have to understand that, that in our world today, it's not about that. It's not whether or not someone's behaving correctly and then therefore they, they can have my honor. It's more than that. It's a love that I don't deserve. And I know that some of you right now are not liking what I'm saying because you're like, that's not fair. You're right. It's not fair. The grace of God is not fair. And that's the hardest part. That's why we get frustrated sometimes with love because it doesn't look the way we love. It doesn't look like that. It's completely different. Man. This is one of the things that I hope you grab hold of. Imagine this. Guys in the room, I'm going to talk to you for a second. Imagine how unique you would be if you committed today never to dishonor another woman in your life. Imagine how different you would be. You know, we talk about unicorns. That's a unicorn. That's what it would be. You would stand out, wouldn't you? That I will never dishonor another woman with my, with my words, with my actions. Can you imagine what you would be like when the boys are sitting there talking at work and you don't participate because you've figured out that God has a better way for you? Man. You commit yourself to becoming the person that God wants you to be. And I guarantee you that somebody on the other side of that will see it. You become the person you need to be and the person that you want will eventually see it. I believe it. God has a plan for your life. And honor, I believe, is at the epicenter of a satisfying relationship. If we don't figure honor out, then it is not, we are not going to experience satisfying relationships. And you may be wondering, well, what is this honor stuff? I mean, what is it? It's very simple. And I'm going to just give it to you very straight. And it's actually found in Philippians chapter 2. But it really just simply means this. Just value others above yourself. That's it. Just value others above yourself. And I know that there's a part of you that's like, I just, I, that just doesn't feel right. I know. 
That's why feelings can lead us astray. Because see, the truth of the gospel isn't beholden to your feelings. God, that's how it's defined. That's how love is defined. And so I need to honor people. I need to value people a little above myself. I need to make sure that I'm living a life of, of, of sacrifice. And, 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 and I think it's so important that we get this. Now, you're, you may be thinking, well, well, wait a second. How do I do that? Or, or matter of fact, why do I do that? Well, it's pretty simple. Jesus did it. Like, it's not, it's not all that complicated because, see, when Jesus says that I did this for you and then therefore you should live this way, that is what it should be. That is how it should look. And, and here's the thing I know about you is that you know how to do it. And you're like, wait a second, really? Like, yeah, like you do. Here, I'll give you an example. So somebody has just told you that your favorite actor, actress, artist, recording artist has said, hey, I want to have dinner with you, right? Like, just put, get the person in your head. I don't know who it is. They just said, I want to have dinner with you. Now, what would you do in relationship to that request? Well, I guarantee you, you'd be excited, right? You'd be excited. You'd think about it. You might even shower. You might get your hair did. Might get some new duds, you know, you might, you might, you might think about it for a while. And if you had time to plan and prepare, you'd do that. You might even go to the gym. You would think about it, right? And, and, and how about this? You're there at the place in the dinner and, 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 and that person, they show up late. And they're like, Hey, I'm going to be late. Now, what are you going to say? Oh, that's fine. I, I, that's great. I no problem. No problem. I, I just am excited to meet with you. Right? You're not going to... How many of you are going to say, like, I can't believe you're late? <laughs> you're not going to do it. And the point I'm trying to make here is that if we can do that for a celebrity, you know, if we can create this deference for someone else, if we can honor that person, that we think about them, prepare for them, you know, imagine, even if they show up late, we don't, we don't point out their weakness. I can't believe you were like, and see what I'm getting at though? Is we do it for them, but can we do it for the people closest to us? Can we do it for the people around us? Can we do it for the people in the small group? Matter of fact, the person in the small group that annoys you. Can you do it? <laughs> I know that this is so simple, but it's not easy to do, is it? It's just not. Because I know that many of us could do that with a celebrity, but we struggle to do it with the people closest to us. And Jesus says to us so clearly, he says, hey, love people the way I love people. Now, I want to say something that I think is really challenging. <clears throat> I want to just, I want to be honest with you, okay? I think it's important as your pastor, I'll be honest with you. But if you are in a relationship right now, that you are being dishonored on a regular basis. Like that's pretty much what happens on a regular basis. You're being torn down. It is absolutely critical that you get out of it. Now I know that's hard to hear, but if you're in a relationship right now, if you are in a romantic relationship with someone, you're dating someone right now, I just want you to know, pull your phone out and go ahead and text them right now. 
and just say, I'm out. Now, I know that's not the ideal way to do it. But the thing I know is if you're in a relationship where that's happening, eventually what happens is you start to believe those things about yourself. People that are dishonored on a regular basis become dishonorable. And it's so critical that you don't allow yourself to be in that kind of situation. Now, if you're hearing me and you're thinking, well, what about marriage? I'm not saying you should divorce your spouse. What I am saying is if you are in a relationship, are we all mature adults here? Is this okay? If you're in a relationship with someone today that you are being dishonored on a regular basis, you need to do something about it. It is not okay. That is not God's best for you. And I think there are ways through that. And it's so important you see this. And you know why we don't do something about it? It's because we've started to believe the lies. We've started to believe the things that were spoken over us. And, the, and that's the thing that really breaks my heart, is that you don't see the value that you have. You don't see the value that you have. It's basic economics. Why would Jesus Christ come into this world for you if you weren't valuable? You should never let anybody in this world treat you less than that. That is what God wants for you. And I know that that's scary sometimes to even think about, but God's best for you. Grab hold of it. Don't let anybody take that from you. Because God has so much more for you. I really believe that. Now, I just need to take a quick time out here because... I'm suspecting at this point, some of you that like dating are like, man, these dates really stink. Like these dates that pastor's telling me to go on, these really stink. Like, what are you saying? You know, because like when we think about dating, it's like, oh, I'm going to go out, we're going to have fun, and we're going to jump in bed together, or we're going to do this, or whatever it is. I don't know what you do. I've been married too long. I don't know. <laughs> but whatever it is you do today, we, we, <laughs> uh, there's this part of us like, so what you're saying is I'm going to go on a date and I'm supposed to just like be kind to people and like be patient all the time. I mean, that sounds really lame. You know, that sounds kind of boring. Is that, I mean, is that really, I mean, is that what it is? It, it, I don't know if you're feeling that or not. I mean, but I think sometimes people think this like, Basically, you're destroying my dating life. Thank you. But you know, think about this for a second. Imagine if you were that person. Imagine if you were the person that, that you were nice. <laughs> you were kind, you know, sacrificial, uh, you know, got the person home early at night, you know, didn't come up for a nightcap. You know, you were just different. You were different than everybody else. Imagine if you were that person. I believe God would do amazing things in your situation and in your life. Because, see, we live in a culture. We live in a culture that values not becoming somebody, but getting with somebody. That's what we value. It's not about becoming somebody. It's about getting with somebody. And I think if you would simply spend more time fueling the, 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 the idea that it, as you become the right person, these things are going to manifest themselves in your life, you would be better off. Now, I know this. 
that this is not easy to do, that this is not easy for us to do. Um, and maybe you're wondering, is this really true? Is this going to happen? Is somebody really going to find me? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what God's plan is for your life. But I know this. You're much better off if you become the person you're supposed to be than if you're not. Aren't you? Aren't you in a better situation regardless of how that thing plays out? And that's the kind of person that I hope you want to be, that you would spend your time becoming the right person. Or if you're married, staying as the right person that the person wants to be with. Now, now I'll finish with this, uh, is that this is the thing I figured out about marriage. And if you're married, you know this. Is that marriage uh, or, or that marrying well, and this is this is important, marrying well will make you a better person. It will. You know why? Because you know what marriage does? It addresses our human selfishness. <laughs> it does. It, it does. You know, I have learned to become a better person simply by being in relationship with my wife. Because what happens is I have to lay down my desires sometimes, don't I? The things I want. And so it's just natural. And then it's not just that. And if you someday have kids, it goes to a whole nother level. Because the kids will suck every ounce of selfishness out of your life if you let it. And God set it up that way. Relationships are there to make us better, to make us stronger, to help us deal with our intrinsic human selfishness. And that's God's plan for you. And here's the thing that you have to hear is that it's not just about becoming a better person. It's preparing now for what you want to experience in the future. Whether you're in a dating relationship or a married relationship, do the things now that you need to do in order to experience what God has for you on the other side. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for all that you're teaching us through this. Lord, I, I, I don't, I hope that as we kind of end our time that people don't get just a ton of things from this. Maybe they just get one thing that they can begin to grab hold of. Maybe it was something that as I was talking, it was like, you really need to focus on this patient stuff. You, you really need to focus on, 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 um, on being uh, honoring to someone else. You know, I don't know. But whatever it is, whatever the Lord spoke into your heart, just, just tell him right now. Just say, Lord, I receive it. I receive it. I'm going to do my best. I need your help because I can't do it on my own. But I really do ask right now that you'd help me because I want to become the person that you want me to be. Now, earlier I talked a little bit about how our value is reflected in the action of Jesus on the cross. That Jesus came into this world for you and for me. And when we look at that sacrifice, the one thing we should understand is that our value goes skyrocket because God was willing to pay that much for us, for you. 
And you know, the Bible's very clear about this, is that the only thing that gets you to a place where that is unlocked in your life is that if you put your faith in Jesus and, he, and what he did for you. And so the Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that this is true, that he'll come in, that he'll save you. He'll begin to transform you into the person that he wants you to be. And that's my heart for you today. If you don't know that relationship, if you don't have that relationship today, God wants to meet you right now. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm just going to ask you a question. Do you have that relationship with Jesus? And if you don't, there's no shame in that. Jesus has is, is, is got his hand out reaching for you. And all you have to do is reach back. And so I just want to give you an opportunity to do that. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you simply to do one thing. And that is that you just raise your hand up when I count to three as an indication of your desire to enter into a relationship with Jesus. And so right now, if that's you, just be bold. Put your faith in, in Christ today. On the count of three. One, two, three. Go ahead. God bless you. Good, 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 good. Others, God bless you. Yeah, hands going up. Go ahead and put your hands down. Church, we're all going to pray together. Nobody's praying alone in here. There were multiple hands in this room today. And we're going to pray with people today who want to enter into that relationship with Jesus. And so if you did raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Church, let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I need you. Would you forgive me of my sins? Help me to see my value. I surrender to you today. Will you be my Lord? Will you change me from the inside out? Show me my purpose, God. God, I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today? Yeah, come on. Come on, you can do better than that. You can do better than that.